Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hello, I'm Michael Bennett. I'm CEO of Altamira Gold, a TSX-listed uh, junior mining company with three major projects in the north of the state of Mato Grosso in Brazil, with a land position of 150,000 hectares and where we are uh, actively exploring for both gold and copper, and where we have a 43-101 resource on our Cajuero project with 700,000 ounces of gold already uh, approved. Brilliant. Good to see you again. We haven't spoken since, I'm going to say, March 2020. Feels like an eternity. Absolutely, Matt. We were we spoke last at the beginning of this uh, new world we live in, at the beginning of COVID. So long ago, so long ago, different lifetime. Um, but a few things have changed, uh, which is you know why I'm quite keen to um, talk to you. Some some nice things happening now. Back then, not so much. We're FMS uh, didn't kind of work out the way things were planned. What what went wrong? I think I know the answer. Well, so, uh, yeah, we last spoke in March. FMS was uh, due to come in and build the plant in Cajuero. Uh, they wanted uh, some things we didn't want them to have in the company, and so that didn't quite work out. And we we got into bed with Metal Stream, this group out of Malaysia, and I spent uh, from April to September uh, working actively with them to raise $6 million on a forward gold sale. That didn't work either. Unfortunately, MetaStream uh, fell over on us. And so in October, I looked for alternative financing sources. I found them, Matt, but they weren't good either for the company or for the shareholders. And we were going to give away uh, the baby and the bathwater if we'd taken on that route. And so in November, the board and the management got together. We looked at the market. We saw that there was a new window of opportunity, that expiration was being given more <clears throat> of a bang for the buck. And so we um, actively went out looking for financing um, for our exploration story for the three projects. And that's where Quinton Hennig uh, came uh, into it. We presented the case to him. He introduced us to Crescat. And uh, in February, on February the 5th, we, we closed uh, a financing with Crescat uh, as our lead uh, order in that financing for $4 million, uh, with them for 1.5. And uh, that was important. It was very important to us. They're active shareholders. They're very, very proactive in the way we are pushing our projects forward. And not least of uh, importance, that they're one of the five top performing uh, uh, groups in, in the U.S., financing groups in the U.S. right now. So we're very, very happy to have them on board. And that has led us to um, 2021 with a much, much bigger exploration push than we've ever had before. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, yeah, Crosscat, Quentin, very, very busy across the board. Um, and I do want to hear about it. But help educate me and, and maybe some of the listeners here because you know the, a lot of juniors get a lot of criticism when things go wrong, but the reality is, you people are investing at these, you know, high leverage, high return opportunities. But there's a high chance that things go wrong or don't go quite according to plan, market conditions or otherwise. So, at this this time last year, the the, the financing options were limited, 
and well, not without you know giving. I say giving away the baby with the bathwater there. So, what, what do you do in those circumstances? You I mean and you you were exploring lots of different routes, like um, uh, sorry, metal stream example was was one. What was your expectation of them? What was what 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 were they going to try and do for you, which would have solved the the, the cash flow problems? Well, what we were trying to do back then in <clears throat> in uh, mid two thousand twenty was we were trying to raise two six million dollars US to put a small production plant in, in install a small production plant in Cajuera to produce between twelve and fifteen thousand ounces of gold a year. Now that would have given us a nice cash flow, would have given us a cash flow of you know four or five million dollars. Um, and that was the intent of the at the time was to use that money for exploration. Now you know, what's gone wrong in the meantime? One, obviously, metal stream. They just fell over backwards on us. But also, COVID got in the way last year. So, you know, since we last talked, uh, we've lost six months in the field with COVID. We couldn't get our sample out to Australia until December, uh, our MET sample. And so we got hugely, hugely delayed in terms of what we really want to know is exactly how we build the plant. So, you know, we eventually got the sample off in December. Uh, the tests are ongoing and they're looking very good. And we should know within the next month or so whether we can use this new leaching technique in, uh, in, in lieu of uh, cyanide leach. And if we can, then, you know, that's a real, real big step forward for Altamira. In the meantime, you know, we were kind of left... Uh, flapping around there. And we looked at the, the market. We saw that exploration was really firing people's imagination. And we've got three exploration stories. Now, we're not a company with a lack of exploration stories. We're a company with, with three big projects. And we've, we've it's serendipity that's put those three projects into Altamira. But it's great for the shareholders because we now have different areas that we can go into and look for not just gold. Gold was the thing we went in there looking for in, 2003, in 2014 when we set the company up. But we also have copper. We have the porphyry copper story. Anglo-American discovered a porphyry copper in the belt in 2017. And also Meteoric Resources uh, have now uh, announced that they found another porphyry in the belt. So we've got two projects where I firmly believe that we have a, a lion's chance of finding a porphyry underneath our surface mineralization. One of them is Santa Elena, and the other one is Apia Cas. Brilliant, and we're going to talk about them in a second. And, and I, just, I just want to work out if there's any lessons learned from what went on in the past. So, you know, the, the market was the market, okay? And it affected a lot of people. But do you think that you were right to be talking about a production story then? Should you have been talking expiration then? When you look back with the, with the, with the benefit of hindsight? Well, I think if I remember the last interview, I talked about both. I think I talked about production and expiration. And I'm still talking about both. I haven't changed my story. It's just that we were um, forced, if you like, to rethink about the way we do things. So we brought, rather than having the, the horse and cart, we've now brought the the thing, uh, vice versa. Okay, fine. So it, it, I guess changing conditions, you got to change, you got to adapt your strategy, be, be flexible, certainly down at these levels in terms of tuning your expiration. I get it, it's tough. Like I always say to people, mining is tough. And if you, if you want, if you want big returns, you got to be prepared for big losses too. You know, 
take take pick it you know pick pick your horse um well let's let's talk about the project so apia cast i guess is the flagship and then uh Quajero, uh, you know behind that so what, what can you tell us about apia cast and how you're going to approach it and in with regards to the money that you've raised how much are you allocating to this so let's just step back and, and think about it because we were awarded after five years wait at apia cast in 2019 and to be quite honest with you, you know, we didn't really imagine that we would get such a large land package. So historically, why is it important? It's really, really important because it was the largest gold producer, historic gold producer in the Alta Foresta Belt. In the whole of the 80,000 hectares, one and a half million ounces of gold was produced. And that was produced how? It was produced by one man and his dog with a sluice mining technique, recovering 50% of the gold. So that's 3 million ounces contained gold in the 80,000 hectare package. But more importantly still, is a central area called Mutung. Now Mutung, you know, I have to admit that up until a few days ago, I, I would have told you that Mutung started production in 1979 with the local Garin Payras, the local miners working there. It actually started in 1969. We've got hold of some old satellite images. You can see the alluvial workings from 1969 in that area. You know, the heart of the jungle, these guys went in there. So it was obviously a very rich area. They took out in Mutung, in the central area, in a very, very limited area, you know, an area of about uh, four kilometers east-west strike length and one kilometer northwest strike length. They took out one million ounces of gold. And, you know, where did they, they take it from? They took it out of the soft surface material, the weathered material. So you imagine the Amazon rainforest with all this material, which has been heavily eroded and altered. And they washed that out with high power hoses. And there were thousands of these guys in there from 69 onwards. And not just them. There was also a company called Pari Panema from 1979 uh, until for, for nine years they were in there. And um, these guys um, these guys basically sluice mined as well with bigger equipment. And one million ounces was taken out of this area. So in an area of four kilometers by one, and I am saying 20 meters of maximum vertical depth, they took out a million ounces of gold. So that was two million ounces of contained gold in the top 20 meters of this area. That what's the first thing that turns me on completely, you know, it makes me think, wow, if we've got the same rock type going down to depth, we've got something pretty big on our hands here. So what have we done there? So first of all, we got in there in 19 or in 2019, we, we sampled it. We've continued to do that over the last uh, 12 months as well on new areas within that block. We consistently see a rock, which is a leopard-spotted intrusive rock, which is green in color, which has got hydrothermal alteration, and that's what the boys took the gold out of. So where it was soft, they washed it. Where it was hard, they didn't. Now, why not? Why didn't they take out the harder rock? For two very simple reasons. One, they didn't have a crushing capability, and two, the grades were too low for these local guys. So that they needed to recover four or five grams a ton. And our rock runs over a gram a ton. So of the 250 rock samples, chip, channel, et cetera, et cetera, that we've taken in the area, we get an average grade of plus one gram per ton gold, which is too low grade for these guys. 
So what have we done? We've seen, we've got a 2D model now, four kilometers by one. Uh, the rocks, leopard spotted rocks sitting there all over the place in, on surface there where we, these guys have washed away uh, the soft material. And we don't know how deep it is. So, you know, there's two ways of looking at this. You can either go in there with a rig and you can drill and drill and drill and drill. But four kilometers is a big area, you know, and you can probably uh, guarantee that you will put it in the wrong place in the first instance. So we decided to uh, contract a Brazilian geophysical company and we put them in there about a month ago. Uh, they're doing a survey called induced polarization where you pump a current through the rock and that current uh, comes back faster where you've got sulfides. So where this leopard-spotted um, intrusive rock has pyrite in it, guess what? You get what's called a chargeability high. And we showed in our last press release, um, Matt, that we're getting some very, very interesting readings. And coincidentally, in the same uh, vertical section below the area where we're getting auriferous samples in this intrusive on surface. So... 60, 70 meters below surface, which is where you would expect the oxides to, to peter out and the sulfides to come in, the, the um, fresh bedrock to come in, is exactly where we're seeing these chargeability anomalies. And we're working out both east and west from that right now on the central part of this four kilometer stretch. And we are putting this 3D map together. And that is what we will use to site our first drill holes in July. Right, and how are you breaking up the? Because you raised what did you raise? You raised about just over six million. Plus, you got some warrants through, uh, which raised about one point four. So we, we raised four million. Yeah, we raised four million in the private placement, and then just over two million came in in warrants. Got it. So got we got it. just over six million in the kitty right now, and what we intend to do with that is, as I say, starting in July. You know, unless there's some civil war in the world or COVID comes back on us. Uh, we will be drilling in July, and we will uh, earmark 5,000 metres of drilling initially for the central part of our Mutung area. So the idea is to go down, to drill into these anomalies, so drill down to between 100 and 150 metres vertical depth, to look at the source of these anomalies and how far this leopard-spotted material goes down. And then as we get that information back, we will step out both east and west, um, we'll obviously have to continue our permitting process there because there are a lot of small properties in the area, small land properties, and we need to get each one of those permitted separately. But we will step out gradually both east and west and understand the size, the depth, and the strike length east-west of this of this body. So just in dollar terms, I'm trying to understand how... Much in dollar terms, we're going to spend about a um, million dollars on drilling in Apiacas. Okay. And then should we just talk about Cajero now? Just so I understand how they kind of fit together and where your head's at with regards to how you take this, the company forward as well as these projects forward. Let's go back to the mining. Let's go back to what we were talking about in 2020. We uh, did a, a pretty... Um, um, detailed MET test here in Brazil on the oxide ores that we have in Cajueiro. 
Um, but we decided that we'd also like to do a test on using a different type of uh, reagent instead of uh, cyanide for leaching. And so we sent it to a, lab a laboratory called Clean Mining in Australia, where we've been doing for the last three months some tests on thiosulfate leaching. Now, we're at the stage now of looking at the economics of that. So we know um, more or less how it works. We're looking at the economics now of this, of this uh, thiosulfate. And if it works, then we are probably going to be able to rehash our plant and take away the gravity portion of the recovery in the plant. So we would go just from crushing to straight leaching. That would be the advantage of that to us. And we've also looked at the area we plan to put the plant. We, as you know, just after we had that last um, interview, we actually got permission to put the plant in Mato Grosso. But our, our preference is to put it in, in the state of Pará, a few hundred meters north. And we are still waiting for that environmental permit to be approved. Why, why that? Is that a better state to do mining in? I mean, why that? It, no, it's better for us in terms of topography. So right. tailing have been the big problems in Brazil over the last uh, 12 months or so. And we have an area which is topographic low surrounded by, uh, by um, hills there. And it was a perfect area for the tailings down, a natural area. And so we prefer to actually have the plant there. So, you know, the, the whole fact that the, the financing was delayed and the meta metallurgical testing hasn't yet been finished has actually fallen into a better position for us in that respect. Right, just to remind everyone with regards to the, the scale of the plant, we're talking about about 1,000 tonnes a day. So right? the plant is uh, 700 tonnes a day. 700, got it. Uh, we're going to scale it to up to 1,000 tonnes a day, but we're limited because of the permits to 700 tonnes a day. And, you know, the oxides are uh, slightly sweeter than the overall resource. So the overall resource has a grade of about 1.2 grams per tonne. And uh, the oxide grade should be uh, plus two grams per tonne. Right. So it gives an idea of what you can, what you can production produce. Of, and, but, it, we're talking about a production, yeah, of about between twelve and 15,000 ounces a year. At a very, very reasonable cost as well. Matt, so we, we were talking about our production cost of about $550 an ounce. Right. And so when, what's, what's this sort of arbitrage here between spending any money on that and doing something which you said earlier is a bit hotter, which is expiration? So expiration we need to do anyway. So if you think about where we want to take Cashware, Cashware has to grow, right? So in my mind, 700,000 ounces in an area which is one and a half, kilometer, one and a half hours drive from this major airport of Alta Foresta is a great little project. But I want it to be millions uh, of, uh, of ounces. And so how are we going to do that? So we've got three new areas called Maria Bonita, Novo Sonhos, and Sosego, which in total, if I add them up, are five kilometers of strike length of golden soil anomalies. And those have never been trenched, never been drilled. So we're in the process right now of permitting one of those areas, that's Maria Bonita, for exactly that, to open up trenches and to design a drill program for the second half of this year to be able to add that to our resource. Now, adding that to our resource, let's say we take it, let's say we double the resource. That makes the project much more attractive. It enables us to go then into the second phase of the environmental project, which is a full environmental license. 
and it will enable us to do the full economics on it to put into into production a much, much larger plant by 2026. Okay, so how do you move the company through the stage where it's more interesting? It, it's a, it, it removes itself from the crowd. You're in a very sort of crowded space in terms of size, in terms of grade, uh, in terms of market cap, in terms of available cash. There's a, there's a lot of people you know, beating the same drum. So what do you think it's got to take for you guys to kind of move away from the pack? I think we're going to... We're getting close to that now. We haven't uh, obviously re- released all our results of the geophysics, but um, we will do shortly. And drilling will be cut, will be the next stage in Apia Cars. So, you know, if, if you really want to ask where my heart is pounding right now, it's pounding for the drills to come into Apia Cars and for me be, to be able to say that this intrusive rock, this leopard-spotted rock, goes down to depth. If that happens, we are sitting on a very large coal deposit. And that will take us away from the pack. Okay. So we, we, we'll, we'll see that come out of the next... So when do, when do you, the drills actually hit, hit the ground? They should be there by mid-July. Right. Okay. So we'll start seeing some some numbers coming out um, after that. And um, just on Santa Helena, which is which is a kind of copper gold project, you talked about uh, copper earlier, and I think you know people are keen... Uh, to see uh, you know a few more corporate discoveries out there. Um, what do you know about that today, and are you going to spend any uh, dollars on it? Okay, so Santa Elena, you know, if you'd ask me, so we've got three projects, and you're always a little bit um, tied. I think I told you in the last um, interview that Brazil had hugely improved in terms of timing on permits. Well, it has. Uh, the system's a lot, lot, lot more transparent, but COVID hasn't helped. And also, Brazil's having a bit of a clampdown now on, um, you know, illegal mining activity of, of Garimperos, et cetera, et cetera. So environmental permits take time to get approved. So what are we doing in terms of Santa Elena? You know, we've got a project there which is 60 kilometers away from Anglo-Americans' Jacker discovery, first porphyry copper discovery in the belt. Uh, where we have copper in soils, where we have copper in rocks, where we have stock work on surface, which looks like it's part of a porphyry system. We have some very, very interesting other mineral assemblages along with the copper, such as, as molybdenum. And we believe that sitting underneath Santa Elena, we've got a porphyry source. So how, you know, we're a small company with a, a limited resource base, human resource base. And so what we've done there for Santa Elena is we've contracted a very, very senior um, porphyry expert, a guy who uh, has been working for 30 years for a major copper company, uh, who retired in January and is now actually doing the consultancy work for Altamira to put together the exploration program on Santa Elena for the second half of this year. And what will we be targeting on Santa Elena? We'll be targeting two things. One, the really, really high-grade gold veins, which have been worked on surface by the landowners and the local miners. And two, which is really, um, you know, something which we need to target better before we drill there, is the porphyry source. So we want to see copper. We want to see that copper source. We want to see the high-grade gold. And that's what we want our shareholders to share with us. And it's not just Santa Elena, Matt. It's also Apiacaz. So... You know, while we've been looking around Apiacaz, you know, we talk about Mutung, we talk about the gold there, 
But we haven't really talked too much about the copper story there. But if you imagine what we've got, we've got 50 kilometers of east-west extent of surface mineralization in this district called Apiacaz. Now, something has to be plumbing that. Now, is it um, an intrusive related source? Is it a porphyry source? Is it a gold porphyry, a copper porphyry, or a molly porphyry? That I can't tell you, but something has to be plumbing our mineralization in Apiacaz. And so with the extra people that we've taken on right now, we have a group who is actually soil sampling areas that we have identified by interpretation of the Brazilian government's airborne uh, geophysics. And we are doing that within our 80,000 hectare uh, property back. Do you feel sort of a little bit comfortable now? You've got you've got Crasscat, you've had the Crasscat bump, um, you, you've got cash. Um, do you feel that you maybe need to look at some of the other projects that you've got in the portfolio and maybe think about um, doing something with those, whether it be farm outs or JVs or or other? Yeah, I, I, you know, JV, I, I worked for two and a half years talking to majors. Right? And why didn't we do JVs? It wasn't because we didn't want to or because we were too slow with the deals. The whole problem with JVs was, and if you think about, um, you know, how a major looks at life, a major can look at 50 years of life. He can sit there with, you know, the top 30 projects and the top five go ahead and the other uh, 25 sit on the library shelf. And we were worried that that would happen in the second phase of the JVs we we were offered. And so we didn't do those JVs. And so what we're doing now with this financing we've uh, achieved uh, the, the first half of this year is we're moving those ahead ourselves and I'm not going to tell you we're not going to do a JV in the future. We may. We may spin properties out. We may spin Apia Casa into a different vehicle. We may spin Cajuero uh, uh, as a mining venture out into a different vehicle. But we'll look for ways of giving our shareholders value for their dollars. I was thinking mostly about the other projects that you've got, not the, not your three core projects here, but some of the others, because it, it is, it seems quite easy to raise money these days for, for projects. There will be teams looking for projects. Can you monetize some of the spare projects that you have? We could do that, yeah. We, you know, we have uh, had a few come and knock on our door and ask us what's, what we're doing with, for example, Colida, Nova Cana. Um, you know, my gut feeling is that we don't want to give Colida away just, just yet. And for a simple reason, not because of the gold, because of the copper. So I think we're looking at on the southern part of the belt at a copper district. And Kalida, which is not very far away from Santa Elena, has a very marked copper signature. And so, you know, if we find something in Santa Elena, I think we'll give ourselves a lot more value by adding that to that story. Okay, interesting. Okay, okay. Well, I, I guess you, you haven't got much uh, spare cash at the moment. You've got to spend it in the right order. And you know, and um, you know, get the biggest bang for your buck. Um, I can appreciate that. Can you tell us about some of these other team members? I get, I get you, you've dragged someone out of retirement. Well, he thought he had retired uh, <laughs> on Santa Helena, but Santa Helena. But what what about the rest of the team? You've got other geos uh, on board as well. I mean, you mentioned Quinton, for, for instance. Yeah, well, Quinton. Uh, you know, a lot of people have said to me, and, and probably have said to you as well through the tweets that you know Quinton works for a lot of companies. He does. 
But Quinton is one of these people who I uh, share major exploration decisions with. So when we finish the geophysics, for example, uh, we will certainly sit down with Quinton and discuss where the drill holes are going to go. We don't do it on a, on a daily basis because, you know, he has a lot of other things to do, but he's extremely, extremely bullish uh, about our Appia gas project. Okay. And anyone else on the team? And the, and the, and the other geos, well, we brought on a fairly senior geo because, uh, you know, I'm a geologist, but obviously in ter terms of uh, exactly what I can split myself up and do, I can't be, uh, you know, the VP of exploration and the CEO at the same time. So we brought on a guy who uh, has worked with several major companies who's now in that role. And we've brought on two uh, other medium uh, scale, you know, 40-year-old geologists to help us in the push to move these three projects on along at the same time. Yeah, and we spoke with Alan Carter recently and Ian Tolbert, actually, um, both who know a little bit about the, uh, the jurisdiction which you're operating. Not too shabby to have them at the end of a call. Well, you know, we have a board meeting at the end of next week, and, and it's always a very interesting board meeting because we've got a lot of technical people in our company. But I think that's the strength of our company. You know, the strength of our company is to find things that maybe other people walked over. You know, if I, if I go back 20, 30 years, and I think I maybe even mentioned this to you in the last interview, a lot of people were skeptical about the Alta Foresta belt. Will there be anything that ever goes into production? Will there be anything which is over to three, four, five hundred thousand ounces in size. And obviously there will be, and it'll be much, much bigger. So when, you know, people like to be skeptical uh, uh, and then afterwards they say, oh, well, I knew it was there. But what that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the elephants uh, in, in the in the jungle here. So, I mean, Mato Grosso um, is, I think it's well known as a mining jurisdiction. It's, 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 it's a good place to have a mining business. Brazil seems to be getting back on its feet again. We've interviewed a number of Brazilian mining companies, have been problems, have been delays, but you, you're sensing that there's a desire by state and federal to get back to business. Yeah, I mean, you know, Brazil's Brazil. You know, you've got to, you, if you're in South America, you've got to be aware that you have to have the permits. You, maybe 30 years ago, you didn't need them, but Today, in a modern world, you need every permit in place. And so sometimes, you know, some things are delayed for reasons that are beyond your uh, uh, control. But so far, you know, as I say, we've got one uh, drill permit now in, in Mutung, on the central part of our Mutung area. Uh, and that's where we'll be starting drilling, obviously. And as we gradually work out from that, as we see the results from that first drilling, we will uh, permit other areas to be able to move both east and west from that central area. And the same thing will happen in uh, in Cajueira and the same thing will happen in, in Sanderlin. Do you think, I mean, coming back to our earlier question with regards to like trying to you know, break away from the pack, do you think it's possible to raise money for you know, 700 or 1,000 tonne per day plant in the current environment, given your market cap, et cetera? Is there enough interest in it? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a different story to where we were last March. You know, last March, we raised money at six cents. And in fact, I think when we did the interview, we were maybe even at five cents or four and a half cents. Yeah. So, you know, we're in a different situation now, we're about 36. Uh, as you pointed out, those warrants, you know, all of those warrants that were exercised, so nearly two and a half million dollars of warrants exercised, uh, came in of their own volition. You know, we didn't force any of those warrants. 
And we still got a lot of warrants sitting out there. And as the price, uh, as our exploration goes ahead and, and we hopefully show the world that we are advancing in a positive way with Mutum, our stock price will appreciate in the, in the, same, in the same sense. So, you know, I think it's, it's easy for us to see that. And we don't need to push the production uh, ahead of what we can do. So exploration's coming along. We'll start drilling in July. We'll release those first results probably in September. And, you know, I think that's where we'll start to get the market really interested in, in where we're going. Right. I think, I think that's the right thing. So, But, but at the point where you do need to, to um, fund the plant, I mean, how much money, what type of money, and what's the cost of that money? Well, I don't think it'll change too much, Matt, because, you know, uh, if this new leach works, what will we do? We'll, we'll replace the uh, gravity circuit with tanks and we'll, do, we'll just do leaching. And so we'll have our crushing circuit, which is, you know, already focused in. And so I think the price will be around about $6 million. Now, you know, we might want to put a bit more money into drilling that central area. So let's say we drill another four or 5,000 meters in there, you know, talking about perhaps another half a million, $600,000 in there. Um, and that, that's, that's what the mining side of Cajuera will look like. So, you know, if we raise seven, seven and a half, that would be more than sufficient to for us to put the uh, cashware into production. And I know a lot of people want to see cashware in production, so do I, because I don't want to see it in production just because of the money. I'm not one of these guys who, you know, I'm not really a money guy, I'm an adrenaline guy. I like to see things built up. And so what I really want to see the production for in cashware is to be able to strip the surface and to be able to show people in other mining companies, look guys, these are the structural directions which are controlling the mineralization. You can see it here. You can see it in Maria Bonita. You can see it in Novo Sonius. You can see it in Sosego. So that's why you should be paying attention to this Cajuera project. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.